Cleveland Browns won a playoff game. <laughs> this is something that cannot have been said any time prior to yesterday for the past 26 years. Uh, on this episode of the This Is Believe on podcast, Jordan Cohen is back as we talk about their very surprising, shocking, and absolute ass-beating of the Pittsburgh Steelers Sunday. Jordan, how awesome was yesterday? Oh, man, it was fantastic. I like I, Honestly, as a Browns fan, after last week and just all the stuff, both kind of in my own personal life, but then politically what happened, everything, like just to have that win and in that style was just so exciting. Like, could not have asked for a better way to end a otherwise crappy week. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anyone saw this coming. Um, I, I thought the Browns had a chance to win. Uh, I was very somewhat uh, concerned going into this game uh, because Mason Rudolph almost led a comeback against the Browns the week prior when the Steelers were playing with the B team. But the, the Browns were able to take down the A team fairly easily. Yeah. Yep. No, it's, it's I mean, it's extremely exciting. And they did it without half of their starting secondary and no head coach, which is impressive. Yeah. I mean, they, they had the odds stacked against them. And they still managed to not only win, but just completely destroy Pittsburgh. I mean, everything. If sta- I re- go ahead, yeah. everything everything started off perfect with that you know, that snap from Pouncey that went over Roethlisberger's head that turned into a touchdown. One play into the game, and the Browns are up seven nothing. Yep. I mean, to me, if you just read the storyline, right? So if you didn't watch the game, if you didn't pay any attention this week, and you didn't name player names mm-hmm. or teams, and you just had, like, everything from one player on the other team saying the team they're facing in the playoffs is more or less a joke, and then a fumbled snap on the first offensive play of the game, over 60 passes thrown, you would think, okay, the Browns got their asses handed to them. Yeah. And it was the opposite. I mean, this was the Steelers role-playing as the Browns, or as what we knew of as the old Browns. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be a guy, he's going to leave Pittsburgh. Some team like Houston or somebody is going to offer him a ton of money. And he's going to be a guy that's always on losing teams, collecting really good stats. Just a dumb thing to say. Like, why would you rile up the team you're facing even more? Yeah, it, it hasn't been a, a good month or so for Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, I don't care really about the whole dancing on the logo thing. He's doing it for TikTok and all that other stuff. But I'm not like one of those get-off-my-lawn, old-man-yells-at-cloud people uh, when it comes right. to that. But the fact that everything with that unfolded the way it did... He provided the soundbite to end all soundbites. The Browns is the Browns heading into the game. And they laid an egg, they didn't lay an egg but I, I guess they played so poorly that it's just like he old takes exposed himself <laughs> is what he yep. did. Yep. Yeah. No, no. I mean, exactly. And I, I think... I really think it, and I said this last week, it felt last week like Stefanski was hiding the playbook. 
Mm-hmm. And this week it was clear. Last week Stefanski was hiding the playbook. Oh yeah, and, and that's and that's great. Like I, it ended up being a smart decision because the Browns didn't do anything like super tricky or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of kind of Wyatt Teller like starting on the right side and then basically being the off tackle blocker yeah. like on the left side, like stuff that was just really creative that they clearly did not use last week, but was designed to expose weaknesses on the Steelers. And I mean, that was really exciting. It was really cool to watch, especially without Stefanski there, but for the Steelers came into this game arrogant. Mm-hmm. And like at some point, I think, I mean, listen, is a Brown fan. Steelers are going to suck next year. Like, they have so many free agents. They have big, unless Big Ben retires, he has a giant contract. And Mike Tomlin has shown time and time again that he's a great man manager, mm-hmm. but he is not good at offensive or defensive tactics. Like he is beholden to his coordinators. Yes. I mean, they had linebackers on Jarvis Landry last night. That's that's inexcusable. Just the you maybe get away with that if you're playing Madden. Maybe if you're controlling the linebacker and you get a head start and get lucky. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, right. But just like trying to block a defensive end with a tight end, you should never line up a linebacker or a wide receiver. Those, right. are, the, those right. are the two exactly. things you should never do. Yeah, exactly. And like then it was clear early on where the Steelers were blitzing from the outside mm-hmm. that they were trying to stop the zone running game. Yes. And so the Browns like, okay, well, we'll just run gap scheme and play Kareem Hunt. And that's what they did. And, it, like, it literally – because, again, I think Kareem Hunt's a good gap scheme runner. I think that he's a good pass catcher. Mm-hmm. But he's not special. It yes. looked like they had never seen a gap scheme run before. Yeah. But, I mean, it was believable to me. Yeah, I mean, he, he had uh, average six yards of carry for 48 yards last night. That was yeah. – now, now, let's let's talk about Kareem Hunt. Was that his best game in a Browns uniform? Oh, easily. E- e- easily, that was his best game in a Browns uniform. E- easily. I mean, what? It, he, everybody's like, oh, he's going to be great against Kansas City next week. I guarantee you he will not be great against Kansas City next week. Kansas City sucks against the run, but the one thing they're good at is overloading the line of scrimmage and run blitzing, blocking gas. Yeah. It, it, next week, Chubb will carry the ball 20 times. And speaking of them playing Kansas City uh, next week, did you see that one hell of a take from Tony Grossi? No, I. You know, I actually muted Tony Grossi on Twitter because he made my lead. <laughs> so what did he say? Forgot about this angle. Kareem Hunt returns to Kansas City, seeking to topple the team that gave up on him. Ratio Whatever. City, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're right. I mean, it, first off, they give up on him. But yeah, we, we all know what happened with Kareem Hunt. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's not like they like just cut him for the hell of it. They didn't let him walk in free agency. There was a reason right. he was let go. But uh, continuing on this particular game, sorry to disrupt the conversation about the game, but I just remembered uh, that all-time take from Tony Grossi. Uh, the hell of a take. Uh, Taco Bell opening legend Tony Grossi. Um, <laughs> the the one thing that I that uh, at least my takeaway from this game was the Browns were able to force turnovers, and 
that's something they really didn't do a whole lot of towards like down the stretch of the season. But seeing them force some turnovers was great to see. Yeah, well, and they were saying after the game that Stefanski was telling them he could throw the ball super quickly, but that means he doesn't throw high, which mm-hmm. means you can get passes. And to me, that is an example. And, and so they were talking about this on the Athletic NFL show today about Brandon Staley as a kind of a defensive coordinator, right? And that mm-hmm. If you actually talk to Brandon Staley, he, he knows everything about offense, too. That's why he's so good as a defensive coordinator. And I, I, but I think it works the opposite way, too. I think Stefanski probably is very good at understanding how defenses will attack him and then how to attack a defense or how to attack, how to attack another offense using mm-hmm. defense. I, I mean, to me, that was huge. And the, the Chiefs are going to have the opposite problem, right? The Chiefs, I mean, he has such a cannon, and their receivers are so fast that they do get rid of the ball quickly, not as quickly as Pittsburgh, but those balls are high, which mm-hmm. does mean if you can get to the quarterback, you can force mistakes. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how well they'll be at forcing mistakes be next week, yeah. but I mean, but they're yeah, able, they able to do it this week. Uh, MJ Stewart had one hell of an interception, which I did not see coming yeah. at all. Um, yeah. I actually thought he played really well last night. Yeah, he, he, he played pretty well. Um, they, That's what he is. Yeah. I mean, I just this was just an absolutely incredible game from the defense. That, from that perspective, in the turnover forcing perspective, in the in the other perspective of they gave up a shit ton of yards, not so good. Right. I mean, I and they have done this all season. And one thing I will say about Baker Mayfield, and, and we're I know we'll talk about him more, but like. Mm-hmm. I do think the one thing Baker Mayfield will have going from his entire career is I, I think because of his cockiness, borderline arrogance, mm-hmm. but definitely confidence, he will be good at closing games. Like, I think he's just going to be that type of guy. Like, no matter where he is, he'll be good at closing games. Um, and, and But that doesn't mean you're always going to win them, right? And, mm-hmm. and we have gotten lucky this year in that we've won all of these games. But Joe Woods, the second they go up by two scores, every game, the second it's two scores, he plays quarters. He plays basic prevent defense. And to me, it's just like that works against Pittsburgh because their offense is very slow. They, they don't, like, throw bombs. And um, Roethlisberger's got, like, a dead arm. <laughs> right. But that, I mean, that won't work against Kansas City. It didn't work against Baltimore. It won't work against Buffalo. And, I mean, I think the NFC is going to come down to Green Bay and the Rams, and it won't work against either of those two teams either. So Mm -hmm. this has been the problem, and we've talked about Joe Woods over and over again, that Joe Woods does some really good things, but his flaws are big issues. And maybe they're not big issues if your team is fighting for the playoffs. They're going to be really big issues in the playoffs. I mean, it almost was last night. Yeah. Offense not done so well, it would have been an issue. Yeah, they were. They were. I guess the defense was bailed out a little bit by how much they scored in the first quarter. Right. Um, they did contribute to that, obviously, but they were. They had such a large cushion that they were able to give up 
that many yards and eventually that many points and have it not come back to bite them. Um, yeah, no, no, exactly. What, what was the moment where you finally uh, were able to exhale and say that the, the Browns have won this game or this is real or, you know, relax? <laughs> the 40-yard screen pass touchdown to Nick Chubb. To me, like that point, I, I just, I didn't, at that point it was clear, turnovers or not, the Steelers were really not going to be able to stop the Browns offense anymore. Mm-hmm. And and we were up by enough points where I kind of was like, okay, it's over. You? Uh, for me, uh, I felt confident after the screen pass to Nick Chubb. Okay. I did, I did not fully relax until the clock said zero. That's fair. Uh, because we've seen literally this exact same storyline the last two, two teams, to, the last time the two teams played each other. Yep. The Browns were up big. Yep. Then a Pittsburgh comeback, and it was in Pittsburgh. So it wasn't until the clock read zero. Right. That when I. I didn't understand. And I wouldn't say I'm concerned, but there's this. Slight hit, like I, I'm not sure what's going on. You're up twenty-eight, nothing. Mm-hmm. Chubb and Hunt should be running the ball two out of every three plays. Like it should be one of them. If you want to rest Chubb, that's fine. Give it to Hunt, but like you got to give it to one of them. And we were passing a lot more than I thought we really needed to. And again, ba- and you and I talked about this pre-podcast. Baker did exactly what he needed to. Right? I, there was nothing. Ba- there was no throw Baker made where I was like, oh man, like. But that is a big time throw, but he didn't need to, and that's fine. I did not understand, like, why are because then you stop running the clock. Like, if you're going to play prevent defense, you've got to be just running the ball. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I'm I'm not. I, I guess this is probably because Stefanski wasn't there, so this is more of a an Alex Van Pelt game plan. Or strategy That's once right. you got past the original uh, script. Scripted. Yeah. Uh, it was probably a lot of uh, Van Pelt calls, but I'm sure those two, that, that uh, Stefanski and Van Pelt discussed a lot of this prior to the game, anyways. And this was probably what their mm-hmm. game plan was going to be against the Steelers was a more pass heavy uh, game. And I saw somewhere earlier today that the Browns are, over the past month, have been passing the seventh. Most, or yeah. I don't remember what exactly uh, that stat was. Um, it's a. I'll try and find it, but they've been passing a lot more over the past month than they did leading up to uh, this and game. And to be fair, Baker, yeah, Baker's not making the same mistakes he made the first half of the season. Uh, and I think part of that's just play calling. I think part of that's no more Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think it does make it easier to call those pass plays. But I just, and I mean, this could just be residual fear. But it, you're up twenty-eight nothing. Why risk an interception or a pick six? Yeah, I mean that's 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 definitely uh, fair. Is you don't really want to risk a, a big momentum change uh, type play. Well, and, and, this strategy will not work against Kansas City, right? Like, Kansas City's weakness is the run defense. They mm-hmm. know it. Everybody knows it. 
uh, it doesn't matter. They're okay with that being their weakness because they know their offense can score so quickly that it doesn't matter how long the opponent has the ball. Yeah. So you cannot run prevent defense in what honestly looks like prevent offense. I mean, I mean, what, I mean, what this was, in my opinion, it was a a game plan um, and a strategy and game and play calling used by uh, a coaching staff that hasn't been there before. And uh, so, very fair. And so they haven't been there before. So o- overall, it was the the playing not to lose strategy, which I am never a fan of. Right. Um. So it's just to me, it just seemed like it. It, it should be, and it probably will be different next week. I, I I think you're right, and I, I hope you're right. I think everything we had heard about Alex Van Pelt coming into the season was on. It, you could see it last night, right? Which is that he, I mean, he's coached a lot of different positions, but he ultimately is a quarterback guy. Yeah. And it seemed like the game plan was designed to allow Van Pelt to work with Baker throughout the game mm-hmm. and worry less about things he's just not really an expert in, is what it felt like to me. And that. That's why I'm not concerned about the overall play calling, but I, I think that deep down, Stefanski's an outside zone guy. He's a Kubiak guy. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I find it hard to believe that he's going to go in against the Chiefs and throw the ball 40 times. I could be wrong. I just I, I don't find that likely. The the only way that really happens is if the Browns find themselves in the same situation as last night, but the score's reversed. Right, 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 and you just have to throw. Yeah. Uh, I One of the, I guess, important things, or one of the things that stood out to me, which has usually not been a, a trademark for the Browns in the past, is they got a lot of yards after the catch yesterday in the passing game. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And uh, Jarvis, especially, was just incredible. I mean, Jarvis was awesome. You know, Jarvis is Jarvis is my guy. Uh, I've always yep. been a big Jarvis guy. But even Nick Chubb had probably his best game receiving as a pro. Yeah, I mean, they finally gave the ball to him in space. Like, I've been saying all, for a year now that there's no reason Nick Chubb cannot be a good receiving back. You just, you, you have to use him in that role. Yeah, he's, just, he's, really he's never been used like that. And I mean, if he can play as a receiver like that, I think you trade Hunt for whatever you can get from this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we'll, draft the guy in the fifth, sixth round, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, what we saw was that Nick Chubb can be a, uh, a, a impact player in the passing game because mo- most of yeah. the time Chubb's usage in the passing game was just on on dump offs or screen right. passes, but he was making impact plays that were not like the traditional. Or, you know, the very basic running back catches, which is yeah, well, what so he did up to his point in his career. Exactly. And what I thought was, and I, we actually saw this a little bit against the, in the Titans game too. Mm-hmm. And then like it was hidden until last night. But what they would do is they would line up in like a single back formation, right? So 12 yeah. usually, and then Baker under center. Baker would audible. So Chubb would move, and that does two things. One, it lets Baker know if the running man or zone. 
Yes. But two, it would result in a cornerback on Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. And that meant a linebacker on a guy like Jarvis Landry. Or they didn't switch, and then Baker knew they were in zone, which meant Landry was going to be wide open. And then, like, they just, I mean, and every once in a while, they, they would shift over, it would be zone, Landry would be doubled, which meant Chubb would be covered by a cornerback. Mm-hmm. And Baker was like, okay, like, let's see what happens, cornerback. And, like, yeah. that was screenplay. Like, that, that was exactly what happened on the screenplay. Mm-hmm. And, and, it so, and so for me, one of the things that – well, Nick, I've always said that Nick Chubb's a really good running back. I never took the, the step to great or elite for me because of his lack of production in the passing game. With what we saw last night, we know he can do it. It's just that team they yeah. weren't they weren't doing it, so we know he can do it. So I'm going to now take that next step and elevate him into that category of a guy like a, a McCaffrey or a Camara. Yeah, and I mean I don't even think he needs to be as good as McCaffrey or Camara, right? Like he just needs to be a. You need to be able to use him in the passing game so teams can't stack the box. Yeah, and that's what they did. Yep, exactly. And it doesn't need – I mean, he actually was running so – he ran a few slant routes last night. Like, he was mm-hmm. not running simple, basic routes. But, I, I mean, generally speaking, McCaffrey still gets a lot of his passing yards off things like screens or, like, quick, like, uh, hook routes and then just yards after the catch. Yeah. And that's kind of what Chubb did. And so, I, like, I've always thought – and, like, I've we have talked about this numerous times that – I didn't understand why, but the Browns were not using him as a receiver, and I didn't understand it. And last night, I feel like kind of validated me that we've had now three mm-hmm. coaching staff, none of whom have used him as a receiver, and then last night they finally do it, and it's like, oh, crap, he's really good. Yeah, that just gives him a- another weapon in the passing game, and it you know takes some pressure off of some of the other guys, especially considering, um, you know, Guys like Peoples Jones is a rookie, and Rashard Higgins is we know what he is, and you know not he had a terrible game last night. By the way, he played awful. Higgins, yeah, he was awful. He couldn't get open, and a few times he got open and dropped the ball. Yeah, that that what last night was is it shows you the difference in the importance of a guy like um, like Beckham compared to Higgins because I know a lot of people like to. Or at least one particular uh, individual always likes to get at me because I'm not really a Higgins fan, and he always points out catch percentage and quarterback rating and throwing to Higgins. What we saw yesterday was just reinforcing the fact that Higgins is what he is, and there's a reason that teams have superstar guys like Odell Beckham on their team. Right. I'm just going to throw this out because I think you're talking about Pete Smith, and so something Pete Smith really (laughs) is... The, the reason why Baker's quarterback rating is higher when throwing to Higgins is because when you have Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, and Rashard Higgins all on the field together, Odell's doubled. Yeah. Jarvis is also taking a cornerback, which means Higgins usually has like a safety on him. Yeah. I, I wasn't referring to it, Pete Smith. I was referring to someone who I think is a fan of Pete Smith. But, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but that's right, though. I mean, there was a... There was a, a game earlier this year where Higgins caught a touchdown pass and he was wide open. They're like, how was he wide open and, on, on the broadcast? I'm like, because it's Rashard Higgins. No one's no one's worried about Rashard Higgins beating you. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I've said it before. H- Higgins is fine. He's your third, fourth receiver. 
um, in the passing game, he's probably the fifth target if you include the tight ends. If you include the running game and running backs, he becomes like the seventh option on offense. Yeah, he's a decoy. And he's a bad, bad enough decoy where he gets open. I mean, because you, you're definitely, at, at the receivers, you're going to put Odell and Jarvis ahead of them. Yeah. And then you well, consider I, the tight ends. It's Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant. And yeah. if you want to include Njoku, I I don't Wait, believe. can we just talk about the broadcast last night where, like, oh, Njoku's become a good blocker. I'm like, really? Because Njoku's barely seen the field tonight because he's a bad blocker. <laughs> like, he's not a good, he's not, he had one good block last night. Like, congratulations, he's a tight end. Like he's, that's awesome that he had a chip block on a run play. He's never yeah. going to be a good blocker. I, I I think people need to accept that. He never yeah. was. He's never going to be. I, I mean, really, he's he is a failed Chase Claypool. Yes. <laughs> the failed. He should have been played at receiver. He wasn't. And then we kind of started to figure out why over the years, which is that he just he doesn't run good routes like. He's a supreme athlete. He can get open because he's an athlete, but he's not a good route runner and he's not a good blocker. Like he doesn't, I don't know where he plays in today's NFL. He doesn't? Uh, right. I mean, he's not even a good backup tight end, right? Because he doesn't do what you'd want a backup tight end to do. I mean, they're, they're a team that has four tight ends on the roster. Yep. Um, he should be fourth. I mean, I think he kind of is, like, at least on a lot of plays. Uh, I could They'll up, bring him in every once in a while, but... I can pull up the snap counts from last night to just see how much they yeah. played. I mean, I, yeah, I just, I think, I actually think, I was talking about this with my stepdad last night, they're going to take defense in round one, as they should. They probably will take it in round two, as they should. But I think round two, round three... There is a very legitimate argument for the Browns drafting another receiver. Yeah. Well, somebody different, right? You don't want a slot guy and you don't want an X, right? You, mm-hmm. you want almost like either more of a gadgety guy or just a guy that can bomb downfield as quickly as possible. Yeah. And, and those guys are all like, really good ones are always available in the second, third round. Like LaVisca Chenault had a great season this year. Um, the, the Pittman kid that the Colts drafted had mm-hmm. a great season this year. And so those guys are available. I, I think, to me, on offense, that is by far the biggest hole. Is that if, I mean, Odell being out is one thing. I think if Jarvis gets out for any reason and you don't have another way to kind of make up those yards, the Browns are in real trouble. Yeah. Looking, I mean, we saw that against the Jets. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Uh Looking at the snap counts, uh, Njoku played the third most amount of snaps for tight ends. So behind Hooper, mm-hmm. who played who played ninety percent, uh, Bryant played thirty three percent. Njoku came in at thirty one. Um, Stephen Carlson came in at seven percent as he only played five plays. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know why Harrison Bryant didn't see the field more last night. That felt also like an Alex Van Pelt thing. Uh, it could have been, uh, he could have been still dealing with COVID symptoms. True, true, very true. Uh, I mean, Hooper played well. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think Cooper is spectacular, but he played well last night. He was fine. He did his job. Yeah, he had a, yeah, I think he had a, a, a good game, or at least a decent game. Seven catches, 46 yards on a touchdown. Not much more you can ask for 
uh, a tight right. end. Right. And I mean, to be fair, there was the, I think he had two drops where Baker actually threw more or less very good balls that he should have mm-hmm. caught. But he also, I mean, seven catches, right? I am sure, I haven't gone back, but like, I am sure all seven of those catches were not perfectly thrown balls. Yeah. And so I think you kind of give it to him. Like, I, he played well. And I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just like, part of me is like very excited about this team while also thinking like, Man, Brown's Twitter is way overreacting to some of what we saw last night. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's a lot. What's what's happening? I mean, uh, as something that uh, I posted this morning was that the Browns are actually back now. It's because mm-hmm. I wanted them to win in Pittsburgh. I was waiting for right. that. It, it, it seems like just sort of some arbitrary benchmark to pick, but a, a good team defeats your rival in their stadium. They didn't for eighteen years. I, I mean, I can't think of a more perfect way. I Honestly, like, you know, the Cavs came back from 3-1 down in the finals. Like, it felt like that was the only way mm-hmm. that the Cleveland was going to win their first title. Like, that that just felt like there was no other way that could happen. Yeah, I feel like the Browns advancing in the playoffs and even making the playoffs, like, there's something just weird about it. Like, the Browns were never going to make the playoffs in any other way outside of beating Pittsburgh in the last game of the season. And there was no way the Browns were going to advance in the playoffs any other way other than beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Like, it was storybook. It was storybook. It, it, it was the only way. Yep. You know, uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm, have you seen uh, Avengers Endgame? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, there's only one way that they can win. This was the only yep. way that the Browns were going to advance in the playoffs. No, it's it's exactly like there was no way. I, and to beat Ben Roethlisberger too, I just think like it it wouldn't. Again, there was no other way. Like this guy has just owned us year after year after year after year, mm-hmm. game after game after game after game. There was no other way that was going that. There was no other way it could end. Like, there was no other way. Like, and, again, I have issues with Baker Mayfield. I I think, again, people may be overreacting a little bit to good performances. Yes. Um, But at the same time, like, somebody with Baker's kind of cockiness, like, and I mean this actually in a good way. Yes. But that's what we needed to break the curse. I think to a certain degree, that was the attitude we needed. Um. And does that mean that's what we should be having going forward? I think at this point it makes sense to pick up this fifth-year option. But, like, I don't necessarily think you give him a long-term contract. Again, as we talked about last week, my preference still would be give him a three or three-ish year deal, three- or four-year deal, a little bit cheaper rather than picking up his option. But mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, pick up his option. That's fine. I'm fine with that now. Because he, he did the the one thing that we haven't we've been waiting for a quarterback to do, Lead, yeah. you know, get the team into the playoffs, and then win and win, and yeah. the, the team being the Steelers, right? <laughs> they 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 beat the Steelers, which is just yeah, and mind blowing. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. And like, listen, I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. Baker Mayfield has like a Ryan Tannehill resurgence in this offense, right? Where, mm-hmm. I mean, 
Ryan Tannehill, outside of his game yesterday where he just wasn't great, but this season he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, if you are just looking at the numbers, and I know he has Derrick Henry, Baker has Nick Chubb. Yeah. If you are just looking at the numbers, Ryan Tannehill should be in kind of like that second tier of MVP conversations this year. So yeah. it, it is possible that Baker has that type of resurgence, and if that would mean he's about the 12-ish best quarterback in the NFL. And I'm okay with that. Like, I, I think that's somebody you, you accept their fifth-year option, you probably try to get a deal for, but you also don't give them a Jared Goff deal. Right? Oh, no, like, yeah. You, did, you, you stay yeah. away from that or what the Eagles yeah. did with Carson Wentz. Right, right. Because you, you have middle ground. Because what you don't want to happen is what has happened with those two teams. I mean, it, yeah. like, Jared Goff's fine, but he makes way too much money. Uh, yeah. Carson yeah, exactly. Wentz is legitimately broken. And his yeah. contract extension doesn't kick in till next season, and he's owed a lot of money. Yep. Well, and part of what I think too is the one benefit of picking up the fifth-year option is that means you can look at Baker all next season, right? It's mm-hmm. going to be a tough schedule. There will be higher expectations, and a lot of the resources out of the team this summer will be on the defense, right? So yes. It, it, this offseason going into next year is not going to be all about Baker like it was this past year. And so I think the advantage of picking up that fifth-year option is like, okay, man, you played really well the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. You cut down the stakes. You took the team to at least the divisional round of the playoffs. <clears throat> Show us what you can do. Yeah. And, and I think that lets you see it. And it lets Baker see it. And they will be able to reintegrate Odell back into the offense and see if the third yeah. time around is the time that those two finally click. And listen, I actually think it may be possible this time around. Like, I think... Baker, the only way Baker was going to improve in this offense, I think, was probably without Odell. Mm-hmm. Just like he needed to actually learn the offense. I've always felt Odell is like a very delicious cherry on top of the cake. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you still need the cake, right? He's not part of the cake. Like, Jarvis Landry is the cake, yeah. right? Like, you don't survive without Jarvis Landry mm-hmm. in so many ways. But I think, like, now that Baker knows how to work within the offense, it, it, you, I think you have to try the Odell experiment again and see what happens. And if it looks bad earlier in the season, you can very quickly pivot. As long as Odell looks like he belongs on the field, if that combo looks bad, you can pivot as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. But the, they, they really have to give it a go again. I mean, they have to. They, they, I, he's such an explosive player. Uh, yep. And I, I I know and I realize he's probably not going to get back ever again to where he used to be just because of the injuries he's had and how many of them and in this in this many years of his career. I, I do realize that next year he will still probably be a step back of what he will hopefully ultimately be after he recovers from his uh, ACL injury, but you you right. got to try it. He's such a a good player, and it takes pressure off of other players to have to perform. I mean, it, listen, what, if he comes back and is seventy percent of what he was, which I don't think is unfair, I feel like that is a fair expectation. Yeah, seventy percent of what he was running Rashard Higgins' route is still phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's such an improvement over what we have now. So I, I don't I, – I think you have to. 
I think you're right. Like, you have to give it a shot. And does that mean you can't quickly pivot? Absolutely not. But you have to give it a shot. Yeah, you Especially, just... like, if Nick Chubb's a receiver now. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I don't know how you defend that. Yeah, you you, you can't. I mean, and, and even, even if they don't even necessarily use Nick Chubb as a receiver all that much, Odell being out there means that they can't just stack the box. Right. Well, and the threat of Chubb being able to be a receiver, I think, just beyond anything else, right? Yeah. Because that means when you line up, even if Chubb is just behind the quarterback, they have to have a guy marking him, right, or spying him. They can't just, like, let Chubb be doing, like, just standing around in space. And because of that, that means oh, there's one less guy that could jump to Odell. And, and that's that's key for having, you know, the offense, I guess, take that next step. Like, like, there's yeah. not, when Kareem Hunt goes up as a receiver, he's not, like, nobody cares. Like, I, I get this idea that Kareem Hunt's, like, great in the passing game and everything. I, I, I still wonder, is that a function of, like, when Kareem Hunt's getting the ball, there's just wide open space in front of him? I think that's what it is. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, it, for me, like, Chubb, it makes sense because, A, he was not just wide open last night. Like, he was he caught the ball and then he broke tackles. But, two, I, it, would, it does not make sense to me that Kareem Hunt can be so just bad at running in the outside zone scheme, which is all about finding space, and then somehow, like, a very good receiver. Like, something doesn't add up. It's, it's puzzling, really. It really is. Um, one thing I I thought of um, this morning was, if you're the Steelers, do you regret, like, punting Week 17? Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, I think you have to. They, I mean, because if they go in and play that game with but, their starters, Stefanski can't run his, like, playbook that he, like, undusted from when he was in high school mm-hmm. right like he can't use his madden playbook and because they didn't do that he used his madden playbook which meant you went to face them the week after and you had no idea what they were about to do because mm-hmm. the the Steelers had a chance to keep the browns out of the playoffs they had they had a chance to have their offense not look like they were out of sync for right. a good portion of that game and and something that we mentioned going into that game was if the Steelers were smart, they would play, they would treat this like the third preseason game for week 17. Yep. yep. You play them the first half, maybe three quarters. Uh, if you get a, a comfortable lead late, that's when you pull the starters, but they didn't. They they played Mason Rudolph. They didn't play any other uh, like good defensive players. Marquise Pouncey didn't play. And... Yep. The the end result is a forty eight thirty seven win for the Browns and the Browns is the Browns I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I still that one to me is just Jarvis Landry making fun of him post game. Just to, like if there's one guy I don't mind celebrating, it's Jarvis Landry because Jarvis Landry every play gives a hundred percent, no matter the yeah. play. He is the leader of the team. So if Jarvis Landry wants to celebrate and make fun of Juju, that one I don't care about. Yeah. My favorite thing last night, too, was Mac Wilson, who, like, didn't play. Like, he barely <laughs> saw the field because he's bad. So, like, posting on Instagram, like, on the next one. Like, dude, like, you were in for probably, like, 30% of the snaps. Like, uh, it was less it, than that. It was 20. 
percent of the snaps played yeah. 18 plays yeah yeah right like you don't get to take any credit like Sione Taki Taki I and this is another Joe Woods thing but I'll get to that in a second like, Sione Taki Taki's played decently like he is a good rotational linebacker do I want him starting the game next year absolutely not but mm-hmm. as a rotational linebacker he's good I don't understand sorry I, I, we're like no script really but yeah. I don't understand why Joe Woods does not like you know every once in a while send Sione Taki Taki on a pass list, especially now that Miles moved over to the other side, right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that switch looks permanent, at least without Vernon. Yeah. So why not? And what they were doing last night, they were throwing two or three guys at Miles. I don't understand why you just don't, like, send the linebacker on the other side, which would be Sione Taki Taki. Like, just send them, because then they can't overload Miles like that. Or they can, and then you're hoping your linebacker who, like, credit to Sandy Takedaki, is fast. Running at full speed unmarked doesn't get to Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't understand that. And I know Woods just has, like, a religion against blitzing linebackers. Like, he just doesn't do it. But, I don't know, it feels like it could have worked a little bit last night. But, yeah, Max Wilson just, he doesn't need to see the field again. Like, he should not be a Brown next year. Like, if you need to play him on 15% of plays, 20% of plays, Give your linebackers a rest, fine. But Jarvis, celebrate. Mac Wilson, shut up. <laughs> I I 100% agree with you on that. I mean, it'd be, it'd be like if you saw a, a post from uh, Dearness Johnson being like, we really went out and got them. He played three snaps last night. <laughs> right, 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 right. I mean, like, my favorite is Miles Garrett and, and even Baker to Baker's credit. Like they were happy and they both made like snarky comments. Yeah. I mean, there was the, there's the clip of, of Baker saying Browns is the Browns when he's running through the tunnel after the game was over. But, but, but like the celebrations were not over the top. Like we see with Sheldrick Wedline and Mac every week. Yeah. What's like it, to me, like those two and Jarvis having a little bit of fun. Totally good. Like I'm okay with that. Like, Baker Mayfield rubbing it in Colin Cowherd's face. Like, yeah, that's funny. I, yeah. I, I chuck. Yeah. I have no issue with that. If Baker Mayfield is, like, going around, like, throwing his towel around and, like, hooting and yelling, like, Mac Wilson, or even, like, Porter Gustin was doing it last night. And it's like, Porter Gustin, you played fine, but, like, c- calm down, man. Like, yeah. like, you got another game. Oh, and, uh, just as I suspected, or uh, with Baker and his uh, turning the the hat backwards around, uh, he is paying attention to those people still. I, I think that's oh, just important oh, yeah. to, to point out because the, so many people made a big stink about you know Baker being offline and not doing things, and I pointed it out. This past summer, I'm like, the world ended. There's nothing to do. Okay? <laughs> Let's right, not right. look too far into this. He's right. still very right. much aware and still a very online person and knows what people are saying about him. That's why he did that yeah. the hat backwards thing. Which, by the way, the stupidest take ever, by the way. People, yeah. people have decided... I mean, I, I used to live in Michigan, and people would complain that Matt Stafford had his hat on backwards, and they'd call into radio sports shows all the time. And I'm just like, that's that's your issue. He wears his hat backwards because that's asinine. Is what that is. Yeah, it, listen. It, like uh, if you told if you told me 
Baker Mayfield loves Blink-182, it would not surprise me at all. Like, it was an island went in too, but the point being, like, he seems like that type of guy that would just wear a hat backwards. That has nothing to do with him, like, at all. Like, it's, just, it's a stupid. Matt Stafford, too. Like, Matt Stafford, I could see being a huge Green Day fan. Like, yeah. which is cool. Like, it's fine. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Like, it, to me, it's such a stupid criticism. It, it really is. I mean, I, I wear my hat backwards, too, but it's, I, I when I wear a hat, I usually adjusted a lot i mean I, I have thick hair so sometimes it just gets a little bit uncomfortable under the hat so i'll have i'll right. wear it forward then sometimes i'll turn it around backwards or if i'm playing a video game and i'm wearing a hat i'll have it backwards so the you know the bill doesn't like distract me in my you know my vision or whatever right. but it, it, right the hat backwards thing's always been so stupid and i've always despised yeah. that conversation or talking point yeah. I, I actually like that baker pays attention because baker's personality like he does really bad when everybody's praising him. Mm-hmm. Like Baker's going to be a guy that just needs like a few people every year, like year after year to say he's not playing well. Like, it's just his personality. He does much better when he's getting criticized. He does. And I, I will say in regards to him doing stuff, little jabs like that with the, the hat, I'm fine with that. But it's when he's going on his way trying to dunk on people, that's when you know he's distracted. Yeah, yeah right. And we haven't seen that as much this year. No, um, there really hasn't hasn't been much. I mean, there, there was the I mean, it was there was a hat, there was the this the Browns is the Browns comment. There was just little jabs. It wasn't like trying to be a, yeah. a, a giant dick about it and trying to dunk on right. people. Right. Right. I mean I, I think that right, and that's what we saw really a lot that first season. Like mm-hmm. the Hugh Jackson stuff, which at the time, don't get me wrong, I loved it. Like when he ran up to Hugh Jackson on the Bengals sideline, like, uh, like I, that was cute, but those were dunks, right? Like yeah. Those were clearly trying to dunk on people. And then you go into the second season, and the players don't like it, right? Your the teams you're facing don't like it, and then they hammer you. Yeah, when and, when when you're going out there doing that, trying to dunk on people. And, and dunking on people, what's going to happen is when things aren't going your way, they're going to give it back to you tenfold, and it's going to suck. Right. 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 And I, I do think, like, it, it's funny. I, I There's nothing that's been written about this, but it also wouldn't surprise me if it's true. It feels like Baker, like, they sat down with him and are working with him to become a leader. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, his personality is... And, at least in regards to taking blame for things and being in a positive way vocal, I think is new. Like, I don't remember. He he used to be just a pure kid, and I think there's still the kid element there. I think you still need Jarvis Landry there. Yes. But he's turning more into kind of what the Miles Garrett kind of attitude is like. Mm-hmm. Slowly, but it's happening. And I think that's good. Again, I don't know that Baker's a franchise quarterback, but I, I still want him to be like. Listen, if if next year he balls out and is in fourth or fifth in MVP votes, phenomenal. I'll be jumping up and down. Yeah, same. I don't necessarily think that's what will happen, but I want him to be as good as possible. So the the development as a leader to me is a unquestionable good thing. Yeah, and what you do see with him and is that the players, his teammates, seem to genuinely like him. They will rally around him. And I think that is a important characteristic 
to have as a quarterback. Um, yep. I mean, and like you said, uh, ideally, in a perfect world, he ends up being, you know, the franchise quarterback that you have for a long, long time, and that you sign to a contract extension and ends up, you know, in the MVP discussion on a fairly routine basis. I'm not sure that's him, but I, I think he's can play well enough to get your team into the dance, and that's what he's done this year. Yep. Yep. And that's okay. I think we tried Baker Mayfield is is the franchise, right? Like we, we tried that. That was all last season. We tried it. He's not capable of doing it. And that's but that's okay, right? Like yeah. I, I, do I think Baker is ever going to have a better career than Matt Ryan? Eh, probably not. But like I, I think that's and I said this before the season that I think his kind of unlikely high end is that kind of Matt Ryan territory. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Like you don't even need like a routine MVP guy to have a franchise guy. Um, I, my worry is that not, or not even worry. Like I think Baker, you're right. He, he will get you into the dance. He is a Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ryan Tannehill. Like right now on mm-hmm. average, that's what he's shown. He is. And that's good. That's fine. Like, it's fine. You cannot give him a contract like the Rams gave Jared Goff, right? You need to give yourself some legal room. Uh, like, if the Texans say they're willing to take Baker Mayfield in the first round pick for Deshaun Watson, you make that trade yesterday. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's where I think they need to be with Baker Mayfield. They're, uh, it's like the the difference, or you know, the like people like to do things on Facebook, so like in a relationship or whatever, or in a mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. I I think that they're in a relationship with with Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. They're in a com- they're not necessarily in the committed or long term or married part or engaged yet. They're just in the relationship. They're seeing how it's going. Right. Exactly. And, and depends on how. How things in the future go depends on what the next step is, if there is a next step. Yep. I think that's yep. and that's the the right way to handle it. I was seeing some things on various forums and social media, like dunking on people, like oh, like it, it was stupid to have doubts about Baker Mayfield, et cetera, et cetera. And like all I'm thinking is, yo, if you thought after week six when Pittsburgh destroyed the Browns, mm-hmm. the Kevin Stefanski outspent help. Andrew Barry, John, and John P. De Podesta did not have fears about Baker. Your head is so far up your you know what. Like every, they were terrified. That's why after that game for like six straight weeks, the offense was dink and dunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> they were terrified as they should have been, and so. Yes, Baker has improved a lot during the season, which is incredible, and he deserves credit for it. But, like, I still want to see a full season of it. I And, and where I've been, I think it's very important to distinguish the difference, is that Baker's played well. You know, sometimes borderline great. Mm-hmm. That does not necessarily mean he's a great or even a really good quarterback. It's important to distinguish the difference between right. performance and ability. And right. his performance has been good. His ability, that's a different discussion. I mean, 
he, listen, it's very clear. And I think part of what is going on with Browns fans is that it, it's clear since the new Browns began, Baker is far and away the best quarterback we've had. Mm-hmm. Like it's not even in the same stratosphere. There's not anybody else that's even come close. And so I think people are like, oh, well, that means like he's the franchise guy. And it's like, no, it, the Browns were just playing a different sport for 20 years. <laughs> I, I mean, like <laughs> it, they, they just, it was a different sport. Like they, they just, I mean, they're trying out Brandon lead in, right? Like, Mm-hmm. And he was one of the better ones. And, and, and so it's important to like keep in context that eventually Browns fans are going to want to be more than a first round or second round playoff exit. Right. Yeah. And the question is, can he be more than that with Baker Mayfield? And I, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. I, do I think we're going to be more than that this year? No. Do I think there's an even slim chance that we're going to be that this year? Probably not. Do I think like in a, if you played this game a hundred times, there's five of them the Browns win? Yeah, I do. Like mm-hmm. just generally, right? I mean, if the Browns get lucky with turnovers, which in a lot of ways is luck, and they don't play prevent offense and prevent defense, they can win. Yeah, they won't necessarily win, but they can win. And so, but I think that view that I have, if Baker Mayfield was playing as well as Josh Allen was this season. I would say the Browns have a decent shot of beating the Chiefs. Hell, I think the Bills, if they can get past Baltimore, have a decent shot of beating the Chiefs. Like, but that's because I think Josh Allen is a really, really, really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and Baker just isn't there yet. Yeah, and I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again, and I'll say it a thousand times in the future. Uh, just because of how poorly all the other quarterbacks were in comparison uh, to, to Baker Mayfield, being better than those guys isn't necessarily a reason to to hit your wagon and, and you know right. long term contract extension. I mean, you know, it, being better than you know Doug Peterson or or Thad right. Lewis is, is right. hardly an accomplishment. It's right. It just perspective. Right. Being better than right. a, a giant pile of garbage isn't an accomplishment. Right. I mean, if you look at Baker's numbers over his career right now. Mm-hmm. and you extrapolated them across an entire career, you would be a guy that probably would be a starter for five to eight-ish years, mm-hmm. uh, just in various situations, various teams, or maybe even the same team, right? Yeah. And then would have a decade as a backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, trends, that's different, but I just mean looking at first year, second year, this year. If you looked at those numbers, that's what he is, has been. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Like, again, that, that's much better than anything we've had. But he has not yet shown. Like, here's the other thing about the NFL, man. Six in games is not a lot of games, right? Like, it, it, these trend lines, like, Baker's been a great quarterback for, at this point, seven games. Like, come on. Like, it, this could it could be statistical noise. It, it, it yeah. may not be. But it could be. That's like placing a whole bunch of stock in the fact that, you know, a hitter is one for three in his career against a certain pitcher. And that's the you know, that's right. the reason why you think he's going to have some great success today. Right. It's it's not till that number gets close to 20 that you can really uh, place any stock in it. And, and still, that's that's hardly something that you can say that, yes, this is going to be a good matchup because of this. Yeah. I mean, I, like, listen, Josh Allen won't win the MVP this year, largely because he had two to three bad games in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. But th- 
what I understand I want to see from Baker is a season with the overall consistency of Josh Allen's, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't need to be as good, but just like that level of consistency, right? Where, like, yeah. generally speaking, Josh Allen, outside of two to three games, is he he did not lose you games, mm-hmm. right? And in the other games, more often than not, he was winning them for you. I, it doesn't even need to be there for me. It just, Baker needs to be able to win them for you. He doesn't need to be the guy winning them for you all the time, but... Mm-hmm. I need that level of consistency your first season. And I don't care. Like, listen, if the Browns pull off a miracle, beat the Chiefs, beat Bills or Ravens, and then go to the Super Bowl and win or lose, like, to me, that still doesn't signal that Baker's, like, a franchise guy. It mm-hmm. signals that the Browns had a great run. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen. No matter what is not. We've seen teams with average or even below average quarterbacks win the Super Bowl. Um, yep. Two of them are Ravens teams. Uh, with Flacco yeah, and, we've seen a lot make and Super Bowl. Tilfer. Yeah, and we've seen a lot make the Super Bowl. Like, a lot, a lot make the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, Brad Johnson won years. the Buccaneers. Yeah, and I mean, think about, like, the last three years. Like, Nick Foles carried a team in the Super Bowl. Jared Goff carried a team in the Super Bowl. And Jimmy Garoppolo carried, like, or not carried. They were, they were quarterbacks on the team that went yeah. to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't particularly think any of those three are great quarterbacks or guys you'd want to give a five-year, $150 million, whatever they gave Jared Goff contract. Mm-hmm. But it is possible. Just to me, it doesn't signal that that means he's the guy. right? Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo looked awful when he played this season. And part of that was injuries, I know. But if you're reading like any of the articles right now, the number one team linked with Deshaun Watson is the 49ers. So yeah. I don't put in Tom Brady last summer. So I don't believe for a nanosecond they are committed to Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think they should be. I was never a Jimmy Garoppolo fan in the first place. Um, I agree. It's, it's mostly because, uh, you know, it, it's there's nothing scientific or concrete about it, but New England backup quarterbacks are about as successful as New England uh, Belichick assistants coaching elsewhere. Um, it's, it's usually a, a losing proposition in acquiring one of them. Um, and I, I remember all the rumors of people trying to be like, let's, let's get Garoppolo to the Browns. I'm like, you don't think the moment the Browns trade for him that, that someone's going to superimpose a jersey that says Garoppolo, Garoppolo, LOL on it? Like, that was yeah. going to happen. Yeah, I, I, and again, I actually think long-term Baker's probably the better quarterback than Garoppolo. So, like... In hindsight, it was probably fine. Again, the mistake I think the Browns made quarterback was not taking Deshaun Watson twice. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's whatever. Like he, he's a, he's in a great system. You put Jimmy Garoppolo with Mike Tomlin, I think he's very poor. Mm-hmm. He's with Kyle Shanahan, and like Kyle Shanahan make like he. Cal Shanahan make Nick made Nick Mullins look like a good quarterback. Yeah, and there, I mean, there were times where C.J. Beathard was serviceable, serviceable. Right, or Brian Hoyer, who was like put, basically put on a Pro Bowl campaign under Kyle Shanahan. Like mm-hmm. the guy's really good, and so I, I don't buy that Garoppolo is great, but I think they handled Garoppolo very well. Right, they gave mm-hmm. him a, I think a four year contract that was decent money for a guy that had started basically half a season, mm. but also not just like this extreme, like Jared Goff like contract. And it means this year they can more or less get out of it. Mm-hmm. 
And I, I think that's that's, I've do. that's something that the, the 49ers will probably end up doing. Uh, but yeah. that that's the way that the Browns should handle Baker Mayfield and his future contracts. Uh, thoughts about facing the Chiefs next week? Uh, Going to be a rough one. Uh, high scoring if Kansas City gets up by a touchdown or two uh, early. Could be a problem. Browns cannot break script. They, they straight cannot break script, right? There, there is one way to beat this team, and we actually almost saw it in the Super Bowl last year, right? People forget mm-hmm. 49ers were up for three and a half quarters. Like, that game, I, 49ers, like, came very close to winning that game. It was not anywhere near a blowout. In fact, if you look at the entirety of the game, you could make the argument that 49ers were the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, but the path is the same. It's been the same this year, too. You have to run using zone, like, because they'll fill the gaps. You have to use zone running. Right, outside zone, inside zone, doesn't matter which. We'll use more outside, um, and you have to stick with it, even when they're getting you for gains of zero, one, or two. One of my biggest frustrations last night was that those plays. One out of every four or five of those runs, Nick Chubb runs for twenty. Mm-hmm. You can't just run them three times. Like you, you have to keep the numbers up, and the Chiefs are terrible at defending. So. Nick Chubb, you've got to give him the ball 20, 25 times, right? That has to be something you do. You cannot play prevent defense, right? They, they will torch our defense no matter what. And, and, and something, and something uh, we discussed earlier uh, was uh, they can't do the play not to lose strategy or try and, no. and try to do that because that's exactly what happened to the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They played not to lose and yep. they lost. Right. What the big mistake in Kansas City lulls teams into doing this, right? Mm-hmm. They did this basically in every game in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. When teams get a two touchdown lead or a two score lead, right, ten points or more, they go to prevent, right? Because they're like, okay, now we can we can hold the ball, let's limit the Chiefs opportunities, and the Chiefs love that because Pat Mahomes can find holes in a team running zone defense with 16 guys out on the field like he has that arm strength and that knowledge to do that i, I think the, the browns are going to need to accept they're going to need to score sit, score 60 right i mean not 60 maybe 45 right mm-hmm. but they're going to need to score a lot to have a shot because their defense is nowhere near as good as the 49ers was last year mm-hmm. and um it's 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 not you know the 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 cliche saying don't take your foot off the gas it's you want to be aggressive but there's a right way to do it and i think a lot of times mm-hmm. teams fall into the trap of being too aggressive um right and and it, it's cautiously aggressive i guess if that's a thing <laughs> cautiously you know, aggressive first 15 the first 15 plays we ran against the steelers this mm-hmm. week, yesterday mm-hmm. that what it should be that should be the script the entire game yeah absolutely and i uh, no matter down by two touchdowns or up by two touchdowns. That has to be the script. And uh, I think the, I think Kevin Stefanski returning will help in that regard. Uh, I also think the possibility of other players returning off the COVID list would also help. Uh, you know, most notably Denzel Ward and Kevin Johnson. Um, since if they are activated, they will be eligible to play. Uh, and that's very important for this defense. Um, yeah, and, and ultimately... The goal has to be to figure out a way to let Miles Garrett hit Pat Mahomes and just affect passes. 
And yeah. part of that was on Miles Garrett, right, who does not look – I don't care what anybody says. Like, I got in this debate with somebody last night on Twitter, and I liked this somebody, but I was like, Miles Garrett's been really quiet today. He's like, no, Miles Garrett's been great. Like, we're getting a lot of early pressure. It's like, no, 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 no. He hasn't been great. Like, yes, we're getting early pressure. Sheldon Richardson played outstanding last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not going to work against the Chiefs. The no, Chiefs have designed that offensive line to protect the interior, right? And they will double Miles Garrett on the edge. And the Miles, it, and so part of what has to happen is your cornerbacks have to be able to hold, mm-hmm. right? You, Pat Mahomes cannot be getting rid of the ball in 2.1 seconds every throw, like Ben was last night. Yeah. Like you can't let that happen. And that's where Denzel Ward helps. Um, because at that point, that gives Miles, even if you give Miles another half second, which is a lot, I know, another half second, he has three sacks. Mm-hmm. And you just have to do that. And uh, I, I don't think Kevin Johnson's great by any means, uh, but um, I, I think it helps just to have another NFL player or NFL caliber body yeah. back there. Yeah. You stick him on Sammy Watkins, and that's a that's a wrap. Yeah. I, I, You'll just have them track Sammy Watkins all night, all game long. Yeah, that that should be his uh, assignment. And uh, you know, bracketing uh, Tyreek Hill was probably probably be a good idea too. Yeah, I mean, my kind of view is with this Chiefs team, you, something's got to give. Like you have to give them something. And the question is, what are you going to give them? I'm always less inclined to give them Sammy Watkins and those kind of throws because. Pamela's just like, he, he can make those throws all day long, mm-hmm. right? Sammy Watkins one-on-one, Pat Mahomes can make those all day long. So I, I think you do need a zone. Um, the data generally suggests that Pat Mahomes is slightly worse against zone, mm-hmm. not by much. Like, he's still amazing, but just slightly worse. Um, so I think a lot of zone defense. I, I think the question you have to have is, are you going to take out Tyreek Hill or are you going to take out the rest of the receiving game, receiving options? Um. And I don't know, and I don't know if you try to do both, right? Do you put Denzel Ward on Tyree Kill and have Ronnie Harrison just sit in the middle of the field? And so Ronnie Harrison's the one that makes that read. Maybe. Um, or do you basically, wherever Tyree Kill lines up is the cornerback who has them, and you just try to stop everything else? I don't know. I, d- I don't know that there's the right answer. Pro- it's probably just whatever the Browns are most comfortable doing at this point. Mm-hmm. Because they're going to torture you. Like, you just got to pick your poison. Yeah. Uh, I I would probably do their best to try and slow down. I mean, it's slowing down. It's not stopping. Let's be real here. Right, uh, right, right. It, it, to slow down uh, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And, and almost, you know, make them have to beat you with throws to Travis Kelsey. Which, again, they'll probably do, but it, it, that probably is your best strategy, right? Mm-hmm. And with Travis Kelsey, at least, like, I think B.J. Goodson is really good, mm-hmm. uh, pun not intended, as a, as a linebacker, kind of middle linebacker. Yeah. Um, so do I think B.J. Goodson will stop Travis Kelsey? Absolutely not. Do I think there's one or two pass plays during the game B.J. Goodson will break up to Travis Kelsey? Yes, absolutely I do. And so I think you're probably right, just given the strength of this Browns defense. Like, 
the best player, I mean, we don't really know because it, it has not been Miles the last few weeks, mm-hmm. but assuming he comes back from COVID, the best player is Miles. If Miles doesn't, assuming this guy comes back from COVID, the best player is Denzel Ward. And it, you just kind of have to make that tacit assumption, right? Mm-hmm. And in that world, you're like, okay, well, Denzel, you're going to man, you're going to be a man against Tyreek Hill all game long. And we'll, we'll have help. We'll send help your way, but that's your sign. I think that's what they got to do unless Denzel Ward looks really bad. Yeah. You know, con- considering he, if he does come off the COVID list, maybe going just straight zone would probably be the better instead of having him just lock down Tyreek Hill all the game because that will right. gas him quickly. Yeah, right, right. It just, Yeah, I guess it depends on what his stamina looks like. Um, if you now, my worry if they're going complete zone is that means Ronnie Harrison, who I'm less worried about, but Carl Joseph. Carl Joseph needs to do a passable job in coverage, and he's and, not really good at that. <laughs> or, or you play Sandejo, who barely could get on the field last night, which to me signals he's probably not ready. Uh, so, I to me, I, I think that that's the issue with going straight zone. But mm-hmm. they, again, the way the Browns win is they accept they're going to get torched, right? And yeah. you hope you force one or two turnovers and that your offensive strategy can beat the Chiefs. And if there was an offense like with the talent that I think has the right system, right coaching staff, and right running game to beat the Chiefs, this year it is probably the Browns. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why like the Vegas is only giving the Chiefs a 10.5 point, like, which I know is a lot. Yeah, it's still a lot. I mean, if this were the uh, Ravens, Mm -hmm. right, that's who would have played them if we lost. No, it would have been the Bills Mm -hmm. if we had lost to – no, it would have been the Ravens. If we lost to Pittsburgh, it would have been the Ravens. Yeah. Um, I think Ravens get smacked. I, I I think they get smacked. I don't think the Ravens have the type of offense to sustain. You need to be able to pass. Right, yeah. and you need to be able to run zone run. Ravens mm-hmm. are predominantly a gap scheme in the camp pass. Yeah, it, and the Browns can pass. Uh, it's not uh, a, a strategy they should use heavily, but they can. They can right. pass. I mean, I, I, at this point, still, and I know this sounds crazy because you just won MVP. Is a pure thrower, and where the Myers an advantage is he uses his legs. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge that. Right, and that it lets him get receivers and better coverage, et cetera. But like, as a pure pocket passer, I am still taking Baker Mayfield over Lamar Jackson. And obviously, all things are not equal. But mm-hmm. in the context of this game, I think that's what's important. Yeah, for this particular matchup with the Chiefs, it's going to be more important that the quarterback can pass the ball. Yeah, because right? just sit in the pocket and quickly get rid of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, because. You know the Chiefs being that explosive and their ability to score quickly, they'll just let they'll let you run. You yep, know they're they're, exactly. they're not concerned about that. Right, and again, that's why the outside zone is so important against this team because gap running does not lead to big plays like outside zone does. Mm-hmm. And the Browns are just like every time Cream Hunt is taking a running snap next weekend is a wasted play call. Yeah. It's a waste to play call because they cannot, or the Chiefs destroy gap run. They destroy, and it's strategic, right? Like mm-hmm. the one thing the Chiefs don't want to have happen is the other team hold the ball. 
Um, so, so they purposely try to stop the gap. Um, and that's why they have a poorly ranked run defense, but it hides what they're trying to do. Um, so you've got to, I think Chubb needs 20, 25 carries. I agree. I agree. I mean, it, Chubb's going to have to have a good game. Um, yeah. You're going to need another game like this out of Baker. Um, yep. For the most part, over the past few games, it seems like that's a possibility. Although, not a guarantee, but it's it's definitely possible that he has another uh, good game like he did uh, this past Sunday against the Steelers. I mean, Andy Reid is going to destroy Joe Woods. Like, if there's ever a game that would get Joe Woods fired, it's about to be whatever happens this weekend. I, I, I still think that he's going to get sort of a pass because oh. of the injuries, because of the COVID yeah, yeah, situations. Yeah. So I, I think he will get another chance. Um, he, will, he will. No, I was joking. He will. He, he'll be yeah. back next year. I'll have to suffer through this same shit again. But whatever. <laughs> uh, so Browns, Chiefs should be interesting. Won't be as late next week, which would be nice. Uh, thank God. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> Oh uh, man, I, I I've never been so happy for a three o'clock kickoff in my life. <laughs> yeah. Let me say, I actually do think the game will not be a complete blowout. Like it, the ten and a half, I think is pretty good odds for the Browns. Like mm-hmm. I don't bet, especially I don't bet on my own team. But I, I think those are I, my guess is the Browns can keep it that close because I I do think they will be able to score, and I think Stefanski is that good of a play caller. But I still, I, 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 that doesn't mean I think the Browns are going to win. I, I mm-hmm. struggle to see how many worlds for that actually happens. Like, it's not a lot. Uh, the, the important uh, thing to watch in regards to the line is uh, how much it changes when the Browns gets uh, confirmation and subsequently activate guys like Ward and Batonio. Right. That right. Exactly. Will, be, will, be the, will be the telling thing. If it, if it moves yeah. a lot... It'll tell you something. If it doesn't move that much, and it, it, it tells you that I, I guess the people setting the line really don't think the Browns have a chance. But if they get key players like those back and the, the line jumps, yeah, you'll have a, a pretty decent idea. But it's always important not to, to I guess, fall for the old trap of the line moving as, right. as a result, as, as it gets closer to the game, as a result of players not coming back, because that's just telling you more of where people are betting the money on and not necessarily an indicator of belief that the game's going to go one way or the other. Right. I mean, like, the one odd that I, I would take in a heartbeat, the over-under, I think, is 54 and a half total points. Like, oh, man, I'm taking... It, I, I'd, Hammer the over. Yeah, I, I, don't, I have no idea how the under happens. I have no idea. The Chiefs' defense is not that good, right? Like, the, the Steelers' defense is far superior so I, the browns are going to score um and the chiefs are going to score so i i don't like that would be times where i would actually bet money on the game like just like yeah just throw it in like throw 10 bucks try to win however much the payoff is i mean unless they're expecting some sort of uh awful weather and the, the browns to run the ball 70 times 
And if the Browns are running the ball 70 times, it's because they have a huge lead. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, this game would just have to be sloppy all around, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unexpected stepped up, you know, uh, defenses stepping up. Yeah. Would be the only right. way. I, and and that won't happen. It, neither defense is particularly good. So. Right. Right. So I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I, that I would smash. I yeah. would smash the over. Yeah. And again, like, I, I think Browns can win. I just think it's hot. Like, this week, after all the injuries, after no Kevin Stransky, I told you before the game, I was feeling like 10%, right? Mm-hmm. In 10 worlds, the Browns win one of those. And we, we were in that world. Like, I don't care what people say, six turnovers, however, five or six, however many it's we five. had. That, that's random. Five, yeah, that's random. Like, I don't, give a, I don't care what anybody says. Like, five turnovers is random. Um, and we were in one of those 10 worlds. I think this is, like, closer to, like, one out of 50. Yeah, and the... <laughs> You play that game a hundred times last night, and only once does the first snap go over Roethlisberger's head into the end zone. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I think that we were in that one out of ten world last night, which is great. I'm ecstatic about it. It also is the end of the Steelers. I, do I think we'll be in the one of the one out of fifty world? No, I don't. I think this is a relatively close game, like two touchdowns or less, uh, but the Chiefs won. Yeah, I, I think the Chiefs will uh, will end up being uh, the team to move on from this game. Uh, interestingly enough, ESPN's matchup predictor gives the Browns an 18.7% chance, which I think is higher than we both think that yeah. they have. I, I mean, to me, to me, this feels like the Cavs-Warriors the first year after the Warriors got Kevin Durant, where it's like, listen, the Cavs won that one game, and they were very close in the next, right? Mm-hmm. I, I thought, like, every one of those games, there was about a 10% chance the Cavs could win it. Mm-hmm. And so, did, did that mean it was impossible? Right, it didn't mean like there was a world where the Cavs won it. I just, I, I, I feel that very similarly about this matchup. Right? I, can I see the Browns winning it? Yeah. Like, would it completely stun me? No, no. Like, I could see how it would happen, but I just think it is highly, highly, highly unlikely. And I, I there's no way I would expect the Browns to win it. Mm-hmm.